Welcome to Chazon the Podcast. The next few episodes are part of the series, Sound the Call, a journey through COP26. COP26 is a UN summit that has convened global leaders to accelerate action towards averting the worst impacts of the climate crisis. Yakir Manella, CEO of Chazon, and Nigel Savage, the visionary founder of Chazon, have flown to Glasgow to advocate for bold, meaningful climate action and meet other faith climate leaders who are doing the same. During each episode, they will speak with a different faith leader who they've met at COP26 to debrief the day's events and to learn more about their climate work. Yakir and Nigel have met Mariana Bergavoy and Noga Levitzio Nadan, two Israeli climate leaders. Mariana is the deputy head of department and senior audit manager for the State Comptroller of Israel. She recently co-authored a special audit report about climate action being taken by the Israeli government. You can find a link to the report in the show notes. Noga is a managing partner at Value Squared, a responsible lending house in Tel Aviv, and the CEO of Green Eye. They discuss the impacts of the climate crisis in Israel, how Israeli civil society and the private sector have already responded, and what further action is still needed. Due to the nature of live recordings and the internet connectivity in the COP26 pavilion, you may notice some variations in the audio quality of this recording. We apologize for the inconvenience. Enjoy. Shalom from Glasgow. Welcome to Sound the Call, a Jewish journey through COP26. My name is Yakir Manella. I'm the CEO of Chazon. And I'm here with my friend, mentor, and partner, Nigel Savage, our founder of Chazon, and two very special guests from Israel. First, Noga Levzion Nadan, a managing partner at Valley Squared, a responsible investment house in Tel Aviv, and CEO of Green Eye. Uh, ESG research company, socially responsible investment, and Mariana Bergovoy, a department director at the Comptroller and Ombudsman's Office of the State of Israel, and one of the authors of a recent report on national climate action taken by the government of Israel. Noga and Mariana, thank you so much for joining us today. To be with you here in Glasgow. So we'd love to just start uh, work and then we'll jump into the conversation. Okay, thank you for having me. Um, I'm in the responsible investment field since uh, 16 years ago. Um, that's when I started the journey. I established, first I established uh, my company named Green Eye, that is a research company, an ESG research company. And throughout this 16 years, um, I tried to convince the Israeli uh, financial institution to, that is the right thing to do. Three years ago, I decided that Green Eye is great, is great in order to continue providing uh, the financial world. In a, we should uh, create also a solution impact of partners that established Value Squared, the responsible investment house. Thank you. So I'm with the uh, State Comptroller's Office, which is the Supreme Audit Institution of the State of Israel. Uh, the Supreme Audit Institution uh, makes audits about the governmental activities of all the ministries. And in my division in particular, we do a lot of environmental audits. In the past two years, we'll be, we, we were pretty busy with doing an environmental extensive 360 uh, Celsius round, all-inclusive report on climate action uh, and uh, we just published it uh, a few days ago. Wonderful, thank you. And, and you know, uh, we were talking 
earlier about one of the key areas that the Jewish community, and particularly in America, but I think really all around the world, needs to understand in this moment is how the climate crisis is impacting Israel already and will impact Israel moving forward. So we start there. Just tell us about how this impacts the, the land and the people of Israel. First of all, Israel is a country, we know. So it's definitely more sensitive than other places in the world. And we're already seeing it. We're seeing it in def different ways. First of all, the heat. It's, uh, it's getting hotter every summer and uh, it's getting, uh, and we see more and more fires. Uh, we, we saw the summer in the summer, we saw the fire in uh, Jerusalem uh, hills and mountains. And we see it all the time. We see the problems of water and rain that is not spread throughout the winter, but is concentrated in specific specific days and then it means that the the infrastructure to accumulate the, the water is not it can't it can't uh, it can't uh, accumulate the water so it's just we have then we have a problem with uh, the water that we are managing uh, to uh, to save so i think it's it's going there and we are getting there every every year is we're finding new new uh, ways that climate change affects our lives and I heard just this week that Israel, after Antarctica, that's the next place. The Middle East is the next most sensitive place for climate change. So we are definitely going to be affected. Well, yes, in fact, the um, estimations say that by the end of the century, uh, the precipitation is going to reduce by 24%, and that by uh, 2050, uh, we're going to have a, a rise in temperatures of 2.6 uh, Celsius, which is way more than anticipated for the rest of the average of global average. Um, and this, of course, uh, is only is not only for Israel; it's also for the neighboring countries. And this also uh, means that we have uh, geostrategic uh, geo issues here because it's going to influence also our neighboring countries, and uh, it can trigger. Um, quite a lot of uh, other reactions, and, and we need to see it as a whole, not just, you know, Israel, it's the area where we live in, which is the hot spot, um, and, and the, the influences, not just the physical influences, but what's going to reduce, going to be uh, done uh, in con as a consequence. Um, well, First of all, um, both of you, thank you for that, and, and thank you for being with us. Um, just for people who are listening, first of all, this Controller General's report is a remarkable thing. Um, you can find at least part of it online in English. Um, I was able to be at the Knesset for the launch of it, which was just five days before COP. And we're all used to like arguing inside the Jewish community and arguments inside Israel and arguments about Israel. It was an amazing thing, I have to say, to be in the Knesset in a large conference room with several hundred people there and to publish a report that was criticizing the Israeli government in incredible detail <laughs> over 660 pages five days before COP and to have a, an incredibly wide range of MKs, members of the Knesset, from literally Yamina to Meretz to Hadash, from the, the right to the pretty far left. Um, all saying how great it was and all saying how determined they were to affect change.
So, Mariana, first of all, I just want to say that in English, we would say you're an unsung hero, right? Like you're not famous, but the work that you've done has been incredibly important. That report is almost certainly going to be critical to changing Israel going forward. But I just want to ask you, firstly, how did you end up doing this? How did you put the report together? What have you been doing? And then tell us some of the key conclusions. All right, so uh, just with any other report, we have a, a, a neat and orderly uh, plans uh, for uh, conducting audits in all kinds of issues. And um, the fact of the matter is that we, need, we use certain criteria to choose um, topics what we think are relevant, that, could, that our uh, approach to them and our uh, dealing with that could be effective. This is two things that we, we looked at. Uh, that the fact that we also look at is the risks that they pose to the state and how much information uh, we can contribute. And we think uh, in this respect that uh, there were some gaps in knowledge in certain areas. And then we said, okay, let's go into this. Um, and then we, we, we did a preliminary evaluation of the theme and then we presented structure uh, uh, offer for the, for the uh, report. And once it was approved after uh, some sort of a research we did uh, the first uh, stage, uh, then we got the green light in uh, February 2020 to go ahead and, and continue with the full report on this issue. Um, so yes, the, 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 the summary of the, of the chapters, which were four of them, are, can be found in the, uh, our website and the uh, state controller's office in English also. And, um, and it's, con it's comprised of four chapters. The, four, the first chapter is about mitigation about the, the efforts of Israel to reduce emissions and about the process of um, establishing new targets of re uh, reducing emissions for 2030 and 2050 uh, in light of the, this uh, convention coming up. Um, the second uh, chapter uh, dealt with uh, all the things that need to be done with ad uh, adaptation and how are we, if we are prepared for those effects uh, uh, of climate change. The third one was a financial and an economic uh, chapter dealing with the impact of the macro on the whole economy and about the stability of the, um, the fin financial system in Israel. And the fourth one dealt with governance issues about the institutional and the professional and um, uh, establishment and, and what are the core weaknesses that lay behind all those findings, why things don't work. Uh, we try to go beneath and find out those uh, core difficulties that prevent us time and time again from reaching those uh, uh, results that we wanted. And, and, and I want to say one of the things that was fascinating about it, and, and, and yeah, here I think it's interesting for us in terms of stuff in, 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 in the American Jewish community. Part of what, as I understand it, that the report was saying was the Israeli government has made a series of environmental commitments over different years. But A, there was never a moment that these things were properly committed to. There was never a moment that they were actually delivered, but they weren't properly measured. And in particular, and I was struck by this in American Jewish terms, one of the things that you were saying was that in a way nobody was in charge and nobody had authority to make things happen. That the environmental issues are so complicated that in terms of an Israeli government, you can't deal with it without 
so it's a transportation issue, but it's also an energy issue and it's also a finance issue. And none of those departments of the government by itself was able to fix it. And the reason I think it's so interesting is because I think this is a moment, and yeah, Kirill, actually, it's a switch, we'll come back, but I'd love you to say a word about this. In a weird way, what's true for the whole state of Israel is also true for UJ Federation or the JCC in Manhattan or any of the complex systems in the American Jewish community. Even you, you, you have to move the budget people, the physical building people, the education people, and ultimately, it probably means the CEO and the board to commit to something, to allocate money to it, but then the different departments. Thoughts, comments on that? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really wonderful to be with you both and to hear you know, about this important work happening in Israel. Certainly a larger and more complex uh, or, organism and, and institution than these amazing Jewish organizations that we work with in the States, but it's true. The, the dynamics are... are so the same, um, and I think this, this report has been, you know, authored and published uh, just reflects Israel's commitment, even if it hasn't gotten there yet. But right, like at least let's learn what the, the successes and challenges are, and I think that that's aligned with a rising consciousness on the CEO level, on the board level, in American Jewish institutions and in institutions generally. I was just gonna. A session at the U.S. Center where high up executives from Amazon, Nike, Hewlett Packard and Ikea were all saying we have already committed to be 100 percent renewable electricity by 2025, but we have to figure out how to make our entire supply chains. So we're we're ratcheting up the commitments and we're getting to the implementation, the problems in implementation, because it's it's not necessarily easy to make a commitment like that. I don't want to I don't want to downplay. It takes a lot of will to do that. But, you know, in Chazon's work with the Chazon Seal, which is a Jewish meaning initiative. It's always a, a game between um, between policy and regulation and the private sector. Mm -hmm. the, the policy and the regulation has to be there. That's why a report like you, you just wrote is so important. Because it's important that the government will say, this is what we are asking you, and you are not getting away unless you do it. So that's very important. But then we want the will, the will and the capability of making uh, the change. And I think um, if we look at abroad, uh, then we'll speak about Israel. Because uh, I think it's interesting to see what happened in the world before we, because in Israel we are a bit back, back if we speak about uh, a bit, a bit, you know. Uh, <laughs> no, but we are quite, a, quite going back in Israel. But if we, uh, let's uh, concentrate on the financial world within the world in the financial system in the world, we see that it has to come from the top. The CEO has to be very much involved and to decide that's where we are going. But there is also, they have to understand they have to put the means in order to make it happen. Things don't happen if you don't invest in them. If you don't give the right people, if you don't have the right professional working on it, the right data base that you you need, and those things cost money. Database. You can't do response assessment with investment managers that are that are trained to it, to integrate. You can't do responsible investment without uh, a champion for responsible investment, and you can't do it without regulation. And if we take it to Israel, I think in Israel we are still lacking in both ways. First of all, the regulation, the regulator is not really there. 
is thinking about it from any like every couple of months we get a letter that is a draft it's it's not it's not a clear sign a clear thing that that's a clear signal that we are that's where we're headed so that's one thing and another thing is i think the education and the will is not really is not there yet we get people we get companies that are invest um paying some kind of loan speeches and they speak about it when the CEO speaks about it, he says yeah we are passionate to it but the means are not there the understanding that we need to invest are all all the company has to be very concentrated on creating it and i think after the cop we understand that they you can't do that it's not you know it's not a nice thing it's not a nice to have it's a must have companies and investment houses that won't understand the climate change risk won't be here because it's even if the regulator initial won't move will be dependent on the world and i think that's what uh, that's what is so crucial it's a risk and opportunity and i think um i think we need to first to, to ensure that we are understanding the real risk right to so talk about adaptation mitigation mitigating the risk right and finance um and damage and loss is big buckets we're, we're talking about here and it is it is so much challenging there's so much opportunity and to be here you know 30,000 of our closest friends right there's such a wild experience of being here and walking through that blue zone with all the the d hall with all the pavilions um it's really powerful and there's so many countries that have this incredible you know pavilions and stages and sessions and architecture it's quite something no no israel uh stage in in that hall so i want to ask you no two part question one is why do you think that is and two if if there were were to be an israel stage what 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 would you put there what would you want to showcase in this cop 26 moment Well, let's plan the cop 27 maybe because it's in egypt yeah yeah maybe uh i can answer the second half of the question okay. which is what would i put there yeah. i think we have now a while a little bit to start planning our next one and i think that israel's competitive advantage could be innovation even though we're not in there yet we are an innovating nation we have a lot of things to offer to the world in this respect and we don't put it enough emphasis on clean tech. We do have the ability to do so and I think there is some there are some signs uh showing that uh the decision the decision makers are willing to uh make a shift. So if they do and if the country start to uh invest more and put an emphasis on clean tech, we could uh offer a boost of Israel a pavilion there. uh with uh, our uh ability especially in solar uh energy uh storage anything that that you know can get us closer to uh our uh energy uh goals uh, renewable goals i think we could also also show examples of impact investing in the job you know we have different uh, social bonds that were produced and in the private equity there are you know it's still very small still minimal but it's there and i think uh we are very proud of value squared of bringing it to the public equity world the impact idea so i think we in terms of scale we are very small and not comparable to anything 
but at least in sometimes when we do it, we do it really good. So. No, I want to ask you actually one question. I don't know the answer to this, but there's more than 500 listed stocks in the Telford Stock Exchange, and you're doing ESG investing, partly in the States and globally. But I'm interested to know, and conceivably people listening, is there is there an existing ESG screen on the listed uh, Tel Aviv stocks? And 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 if there is, can you say a word about how how you cut that, how you slice it, and how many companies come where? Okay, so there is Green Eye, uh, the research company I'm heading is that's what we do. We assess companies in terms of their ESG and climate and their climate issues. Um, and we're doing it uh, now on all the companies that are in the Tel Aviv soccer. Um, I think we can divide it to three types of companies. The one that disclose and are great, uh, and I wouldn't come with names, so no one, uh, don't look for them. Uh, but so first of all, there are really good companies that are not just are really managing the ESG and also have they have good sustainable goods and services so they have really good products that's the first one then we have the companies that are not no harm they're not doing anything they're not managing yet and they might have some kind of uh, sustainable goods and services like renewable energy some of the renewable energy companies they're not really managing ESG but they still have that and then we have the third part that are the most problematic ones that are neg they have negative impact and they have you see controversies all the time like they have events here you find a fine and here they get a fine here they have a spill here uh, a, a worker falls from the roof and so we see and those companies are the third one so uh, I think what's interesting is to see how investors will look into it because Israel is a small market and it's very challenging uh, to uh, for big portfolio management for the pension funds not to invest in some of them. I think what will be much more critical is the engagement, is how they will force them to move. Like, you know, we... They, it's such a small market, the pension funds have to have some kind of place to invest. And they will. In, they need to invest, but they need to give a signal to those companies and say, listen, the game is changing. And you, you have now a couple of years, and then we're not going to be there if you're not changing. I'm very, very struck by two things listening to you, but truthfully, it's both, I think, across the whole world. And one of the consequences of that is not just that more people, more institutions, more governments, more companies are taking these things more seriously, but that it requires of all of us more knowledge, more seriousness, more precision, taking things apart. The stuff that you've led at Colston, right, where you've like piece by piece like looked at, like what exactly is our energy usage and where does it come from and what can we do? What are our food policies? How do we change that gradually? It's coming down from very high language, like it needs a sort of high level commitment. It's then coming down into a certain kind of level of specificity. And it's one of the places where I actually think there are lessons across the American Jewish community from the things you said now. The second thing I just want to say is you made that tripartite division. 
I just want to note that to me, in a way, it's very Jewish and it's very human. Ideally, we should do good. If we can't do good, we should at least be parrot, don't do bad. <laughs> and we should each be looking at where we're not part of the solution, where we're part of the problem and challenging it. Repenting three times a day. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. And I think just to, to close, and, and Marianne will ask you to, to start here. Um, you know, I was talking to different faith leaders, some Hindus, some Christian, just different partners throughout the, you know, the faith movement here. And and I think this is true, not just for faith leaders, but everybody. It's not so much, do you have hope or don't you have hope? It's like, what differentiates a bad day from a good day, right? When we're, we're confronting the natural disasters, severe climate events, you know, being here and getting some of the science presentations, and then, and then seeing, you know, so many people doing so many things sort of a, a menu of, of how we might feel on any given day. So I just want to ask you, as you were immersed in this, you know, audit uh, report on National Climate Action, and as you do your work, you know, what what for you uh, makes some days better than others? In, in this context, you know, facing this this crisis, which for so many people can be overwhelming, can be, you know, despair and anxiety and fear, you know, what, what, what comes up for you around this? I think that, um seeing um, a little bit of, of reflecting on the audit and the fact that it has certain points of effectiveness, uh, even if it was going to an audited body and then realizing that a few weeks later, he started to doing things that he didn't think he would do before. Uh, people don't always see that. The public don't always see that. Sometimes the uh, effectiveness of the audit is behind the screen and not on the front page and not on the day of the publication of, of the audit. Uh, and we saw some nice processes like this in some of the uh, audited bodies. But it was really extensive and we were in dozens and dozens of, of, of uh, audited bodies and ministries and other public uh, entities. Um, and they were, they were fine, not once, not twice. It basically we saw a shift, a change of, of in, in the in the uh, uh, in, in awareness, and that led sometimes even to taking actions. And then you say, okay, I guess you know, uh, it's, it's it's moving something. And I think these are the better days. Uh, and the fact also that it got a lot of attention the report. Uh, and and it was it was interesting from the public point of view that you know the public is interested, and this is this is I think uh, the, the 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 starting point. If the public doesn't ask, if the public doesn't demand from its elected people, from this uh, parliament and from his uh, uh, decision makers to make a change and to put it into uh, uh, put this in priority, then it's not going to happen. And this kind of uh, got us a little bit of positive view that people are interested. And continuing from public awareness, I think that's exactly where I would say the sun is coming out. I think, as I told you, I'm 16 years in the field, where when it was many years, it was desert, and people would look at me and, what do you want? And I think now the general public and people, definitely the younger ones, are starting to be interested and are asking questions. And we get calls asking, calls that people are calling us and saying, listen, we want, we want to invest 
impactful in our public equity portfolio. How do we do it? And it was never there. So I think it's really those calls will change them, will change the institution in Israel because I think if the demand will come and the demand will be specific to good products because if not everything goes and you know we'll have always good things like in everything you have in the market you have better quality and less quality but it's fine it's fine that's the market but i think once the, the public will ask for it and i think more and more people are asking it and it's going back to the jewish world it's so connected to the jewish uh, faith and it's just you know uh, we, in order to make this place uh, live, uh, uh, um, available for us, like in order for us to live here and for our kids and for our grandchildren to live here, we need to change and we must, and we don't have any options. And I think being here, it was, as they say, the race to resilience, we have to race and we need to run fast. And another, another point that we should uh, say in the positive uh, perspective is the collaboration. Because it's such a multi-systematic issue, and it needs collaboration, uh, we're starting to see a little bit more of, of that. The summit, of course, this uh, is the convention, is of course, it's the, the peak of it. But in Israel, we see that as well between ministries, uh, a little bit more uh, collaboration. And even here, us in the controller's office coming over, and having um, a session with other controllers and other uh, supreme audit institutions from other countries like Great Britain and so on, we had a, an opportunity to uh, to collaborate in ourselves in a professional uh, 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 forum and discuss about, for example, uh, a little bit of uh, harmonized principles or um, how to try and do a methodology for uh, auditing around the world, all the supreme audit institutions auditing climate actions and whether governments live up to their obligations, including international obligations like the Paris Agreement and so on, but also in the national level, do they comply with their own uh, climate laws and other uh, resolutions that they take? Uh, so I think the key word is collaboration and it's, uh, it's an international problem. It, it can only be dealt with like this way. Well, I was just thinking as we were talking, I was thinking about the work that Hazan has done around sustainable food systems, going back to 2006 and the first food conference, the first CSAs. And one of the things that we've been involved in, as it were, from the ground up, meaning like very like individually, person by person, institution by institution, is talking about where our food comes from and talking, for example, about where our eggs come from. And just explaining about industrial eggs and the difference between a hen that's itself a Frankenstein hen that's in a tiny cage that's producing eggs that are both the consequence of an animal that's lived an awful life and the eggs are awful and they're lacking the nutrients and stuff and that the difference in price between six industrial eggs and six eggs from chickens that have lived chicken-like lives and run around outdoors is not huge and that in Jewish tradition, we understand that learning leads to action and that learning about where our eggs come from causes us to be like, you know what, I can pay an extra $2 for some good eggs. So fine, we've done that on that scale. 
And what is amazing here at COP26, and in a whole series of things that are going on at the moment, is in a sense to see that from 30,000 feet up and on a huge scale. Because when one person and one family changes what they eat, it has an impact on me, my spouse, my kids, whatever. But when 10,000 people do that, it impacts a local producer. And when a million people do that, it starts to disrupt an industry. And when 100 million people do that, suddenly the people who are producing industrial X are discovering that they don't have customers anymore. And the people who are actually supplying healthy eggs are now growing sharply. And so VC money is being invested in them. And so they're able to invest and grow more and more. And that's also then how governments come in, because then there's the question of, and by the way, what legislation do we have about healthy food? And what food are we serving in our schools? And that's how, to me, all of these pieces come together. It's part of the role of faith communities in general, and the Jewish community in particular, but in doing the work that we've all been doing in the last 10 and 20 years, and in hopefully doing so much more of it in the next 10 and 20 years, it's not just that we touch people as individuals and families. It's not just that we impact people as citizens, but it's that we're playing our part in driving national and international societal change. And the last thing, therefore, that I'd say to you is that, you know, there's that whole thing about, you know, is, is the cup half full or half empty? And we know all the ways that the world is pointed in the wrong direction and we're alarmed by that and we should be alarmed by that but i'm not sure that it always brings out the best in us and i and i feel incredibly inspired by this conference the range of people doing astounding things at so many different levels and i it makes me feel a little bit of hope um really i think it's it's, I, I said to people today, it's impossible to be here and walk around and not be overwhelmed. <laughs> and we but I think it. I'm sorry, I, and I think it's important to remember that it's all in our hands. It's as you said, it's the food is in our hands, our money. You know, the financial system is using our money. It's no one else's money. It's our money. And this, and I think that's the thing. We, it's our money. It's it's in our hands. We just need to be overwhelmed and it's it, right it's 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 okay it's okay it's natural to be overwhelmed in this moment in history facing the science also just being here like it's intense and overwhelming and to actually meet you and hear about your work and see what's happening in israel and see all these people from all over the world it's also i think impossible not to feel hope and and hope is is not meant to be necessarily a science right so maybe it's supposed to be something a little bit of a faith and something we know about Jewish people. Um, and, and on that note, I um, really want to thank you, Nogat, uh, managing partner of Value Squared, responsible investment house in Tel Aviv and CEO of Green Eye Research, ESG Research uh, Company, and Mariana Bergovoy, department director at the Comptroller and Ombudsman's office and author of the recent report of the National Climate Action uh, report on the of the government of Israel and say that um, just really learned a lot from you. And one thing we've said to at the end of all these uh, interviews is that, you know, we have in, in Judaism, we have the traveler's prayer. And so a lot of us are traveling. We're still traveling until we find our way home. So not only, uh, you know, wishing you both and everyone here sort of safety, but also like we are on quite a journey as a planet. And it's journey and so in that sense in that deeper sense i want to share uh the traveler's prayer as, as we close mm. here so 
May it be your will, creator, that you lead us toward peace, guide our footsteps toward peace, and make us reach our desired destination for life, gladness, and peace. May you rescue us from the hand of every foe, ambush along the way, and from all manner of punishments that assemble to come to earth. May you send blessing in our work and grant us grace, kindness, and mercy in your eyes and in the eyes of all who see us. May you hear the sound of our humble requests. Blessed are you, creator, who hears prayer. Wow. Amen. 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 It, looks, it sounds like it was meant for that. Maybe. Maybe so. Kenny Ratzon, thank you so much, Rihanna. Thank, thank you. you so much, Noga. Thank, thank you so much, Nigel. See you all next time on the next Sound the Call, Jewish Journey through COP26. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining us. If you are interested in this series and other Chazon podcasts, be sure to subscribe to Chazon the Podcast. To follow other programs in the Sound the Call series at COP26, visit chazon.org backslash COP26.